everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. With us, as always, we have our host, Hal Humphreys. Hal, welcome in. Thanks, Jim. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this is going to get published after Appraisal Summit, so we're kind of time traveling right now, uh, but we're getting excited for that. And at, when this is published, we had a great time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the, the summit went off without a hitch. We are so excited about it. Please join us next year. Well, our guest today is Sean Telford. I'm going to bring him in. Hey, Sean, how are you? Hey, great. Wasn't that an awesome appraisal summit? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, you know, the appraisal buzz tries to focus on some top level things for uh, the appraisal industry in general. Um, for the folks in the room that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about Sean Telford. What's your what's your history in this business? Yeah, thanks, Hal. Glad to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk. So I've been in the appraisal business really since I was in college. I was uh, introduced to it as my father was appraising, and uh, it wasn't something I was interested initially, but it was better than working in a department store. And so I drove around doing errands for him and delivering appraisals back in the day when you had to deliver three hard copies and pick up the photos from the one hour place. So that's how I got started in the business. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the, the real estate components of this. And then, uh, but quickly I realized the value of technology to the business. This was the, you know, the late, the mid to late 90s when the internet was really just becoming a thing and that's that's how i uh changed the vector of my career onto the technology side and i've been fortunate to work on the tech side of appraisal for the remainder of my career awesome well sean again thank you for taking the time to be with us i'm going to take a real short break and give a shout out to one of our sponsors did you know that NAN hosts quarterly discussions with our appraisal panel on bias, inclusion, equity, and diversity initiatives that impact the appraisal industry? The topic of bias in the appraisal world will remain at the forefront of legislative, agency, and lender priorities well into the future. At NAN, we believe that intentional bias is only a very small fraction of the underlying issue, and that outdated policies and regulations and unconscious bias are of far greater concern. It's our hope to work closely with the appraiser community as partners in an endeavor to improve processes and procedures and ensure equitable treatment for all valuations. Learn more by visiting nan-amc.com. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hal Humphreys. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzzcast. I've got Sean Telford from CoreLogic with me today. Sean, thanks again for being here. Um, let's do this. You know, you're kind of um, you're kind of a smart guy. You live down there in, in, in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, tell us a little bit about your take on the current market, where it stands with volume. What does that mean for appraisers in the industry? What does it look like in the future? Is this a cyclical or sign of things to come? Interesting question to answer, Hal, for sure. The I think if I if I do any great detail there, I'd, I'd turn it into some kind of revenue opportunity. It's such an interesting time right now. There's the patterns we've seen in the past don't seem to apply to helping us predict what's going on in the marketplace. Certainly, you know, with our purview as CoreLogic into 
the activity of different lenders and different components of the mortgage manufacturing process, we can see that everyone's down. I mean, that's no secret. We're, we're slow. Uh, it, it seems to be stable, so to speak, but with the volatility introduced from the interest rate uncertainty, it's, it's so hard to know where it's going. And despite all of that, we still have supply and demand issues in the marketplace. So there's still demand for homes. The supply is relatively constrained and the cost of getting into those homes also limits the ability for people that want to get into them to get into them. So that of course affects the lenders, it affects the appraisers, it affects everybody. So but from my, from my perspective, I think we're in for probably more of the same for quite some time. You know, we don't yeah. see interest rates coming down from my perspective. So, you know, that's what drives for the residential appraiser anyway, that's what drives a lot of what they do. And then the commercial world, which, you know, we don't focus on heavily here at CoreLogic, but there's a whole lot of uncertainty there as well. I have, um, you know, my background is in commercial valuation and one of my uh, former uh, employers and I've had long conversations about the commercial market. Um, you know, for the past several years, I've focused strictly on residential and, you know, a number of things come to mind for me. Number one, the first house I bought, um, I think we were ecstatic to get like a 13% interest rate. This is back in um, the early 90s. Um, you know, interest rates go up, they go down, the market goes up, it goes down. Um, I do find it interesting that, you know, kind of across the board, I hear appraisers um, in uh, what I call the fount of knowledge, which is Facebook, uh, talking about how slow the market is, um, and appraisers who have relied on the volume model and dealing with appraisal management companies, those guys are really hurting right now. Um, there are some discussions about taking on private work, which I think is a great idea for appraisers. But, you know, Sean, you've been in this long enough to know that um, private work is a long game and you've got to spend a lot of time up front kind of nurturing those relationships to get that business. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we're we're kind of off topic here, but if you were an appraiser boots on the ground today uh, looking at, you know, I know CoreLogic just uh, closed down their AMC business. And, and I think we'll talk about that in just a minute. But a lot of AMCs are struggling right now, too, because of the lack of appraisal volume. Um, for a boots on the ground appraiser, what would you advise them to do to try and find some other sources of revenue? Yeah, certainly an interesting time for the appraiser. And I've seen the same how a lot of, you know, encouraging appraisers to diversify. I mean, that that's just good common sense. I mean, we we learned that in business school. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I think it's right. easy when there's strong market dynamics that are just pushing the volume to the appraisers, either through the AMC model or through directly from the banks. There's, right. you know, it, it, you can get a little bit uh, comfortable, so to speak. And the... The foundational work, as you say, to get the private work from whether it be attorneys or real estate agents or uh, other parts of the, the mortgage world, the servicing, the asset disposition. I mean, there's a whole lot of places that one can go 
I think that the 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 fundamental of diversification is always something that we should subscribe to. So if I'm an appraiser now, I'm I'm looking at all different angles for how to bring business into my model. Yeah. And if it means, yeah. you know, getting outside your comfort zone and learning, you know, things that may be more on the commercial side, if you're residential and uh, th- those are excellent ways to go. So you've, you've got to invest in that. You know, they, the AMCs are uh, like everyone are dependent on the volume. And that's a, a significant challenge right now for all of us in the, in the CoreLogic model. We're certainly uh, committed to the appraisal world and are focusing all of our energies on the technical side and the data side of our capabilities. Right. And that's that's kind of what uh, we were talking prior to the podcast. That's kind of the reason why uh, CoreLogic has, has kind of dropped the AMC model. Is that correct? Yeah, we've had several different components of our business that are service focused, um, whether it's appraisal or um, other services and other parts of the mortgage business. And CoreLogic is focusing on the technology and data assets we have. And uh, that's that's where we're putting our energy. Okay, very good. Well, let's do this. Let's take another quick break uh, and give a shout out to one of our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Since 1978, LIA Administrators and Insurance Services has been offering E&O insurance to valuation professionals. LIA applies superior customer service, exceptional liability education from Peter Christensen, and unparalleled claim defense managed by Claudia Gaglioni. LIA offers errors and omissions, commercial bonds, general liability, cyber liability, and real estate agents and brokers E&O. Visit liability.com or call 800-334-0652. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hal Humphreys. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzzcast. I've got Sean Telford from CoreLogic here with me today. Uh, Sean, again, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Um, real quick, you know, in, in the past, you've written articles on the appraisal gap um, in competitive markets with the lack of inventory available we're still seeing some of some home buyers doing this, just saying we'll cover whatever the gap is. Um, specifically, first-time home buyers who are being kind of told this is the way to secure the house that you want. I know in Nashville that's still going on. Nashville's a crazy hot market still. Um, why is this an issue, and why are lenders still lending on these properties without appraisals? Yeah, that's an interesting, another interesting question, Hal. The it's na- nationwide, the most recent stats that I pulled for an article were about 11% of the time, the contract price is higher than the appraised value, higher than the market data can support. And so in those markets where it's above, where there's still out of balance factors, the demand for the appraisals, or excuse me, the demand for the homes is so strong that folks are willing to pay more than, than they know they should. And, you know, let lenders, of course, will lend on the, um, the lowest, whatever the appraised value or the purchase price is. So the, the buyers are willing to come to the table with more money, you know, in the, knowing that they may be slightly overpaying. Some of it, I think, is 
you know, the FOMO, the fear of missing out because you need a home, you want to get in early. There's still upward price pressure in many of those markets as well. And so we're seeing some areas with declining markets that were really hot, you know, the last couple of years in the West Coast and the the mountain states. uh, We're starting to see price declines in some of those areas. But the most interesting one for me that I looked at specifically was Miami area, Fort Lauderdale area. There was still one in four, 25% of the time, the appraisal is coming, the the contract price is coming in above what the appraised value is. So there's just a lot of really strange market dynamics that are that are challenging that. And, you know, lenders, they make business decisions on risk. You know, they understand those market factors. And in many cases, they're feeling comfortable that regardless of some of the volatility in price, they're making good loans with good credit. And so there's relatively low risk for them, even despite the u- unique circumstances of price appreciation. Right. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of appraisers, the issue of contract price versus appraisal price, um, you know, from the real estate agent's perspective, I hear a lot of agents say, we know what the price is. We've got the contract and appraisers are like, that's not a target number for us. We're trying to appraise the property. Um, you know, one of the biggest problems in the in the history of real estate valuation theory is we're using yesterday's data to give an opinion of today's market value. Um, and in this kind of market, um, it's awful hard for yesterday's data to keep up with what's happening today and tomorrow and the next week. Um, and that's just one of the one of the one of the pain points of the appraisal business. Any thoughts on how appraisers might be able to address that? You're very correct that the the data, you know, some people call it a lag uh, that that has to be dealt with. I mean, to me, that's one of the the awesome things that the appraiser brings to the table, Hal, is the ability to synthesize all of the data about what's been going on in the marketplace with what's currently going on at that moment in time when we're asked to snapshot our opinion of the value. And so it's critical that the appraisers uh, that are involved in those areas, well, in in general, invest their energy in doing that analysis and understanding the market data. You know, we're not asked to predict the future per se, though we, we can talk about the trends that we see, but at that moment in time, we have market data we can look at. You have the, the contract. What is someone willing to pay? And are they dealing in an arm's length fashion? And are there more? You know, if there's 10 people lined up ready to bid on that house higher than the listing price, that's kind of indicative of a market. And, yeah. and you need to put that, that analysis into your appraised value. And so the you know, what we used to call time adjustments a lot, which are market condition adjustments, those need to be in place. And and they're very critical at making sure that the data lag is addressed in our analysis. So uh, appraisers can can do that. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's the data is going to, you're going to be able to support the current contract prices market. And sometimes you won't. And so, yeah. but that, that to me is where the appraiser really needs to focus on the value they bring 
is in their ability to analyze, uh, analyze and analyze the data. Yeah. Um, I had an appraiser here in Nashville <clears throat> a couple of years ago. What he would do is he would do his market analysis. And obviously in Nashville a year and a half, two years ago, he was showing a trend line that was clearly going up. Um, but the, the information he had as of that week still wasn't quite there for closed sales with, with what the contract price was. So what he did, and I thought this was a pretty novel approach. He started calling real estate agents and saying, you know, I see you have this under contract. I see you have this under contract. So you have that under contract. And oddly enough, the agents would send him a copy of the contracts and he would put those in his work file and refer to those as they're not closed, but they're fully negotiated, you know, um, executable, you know, contracts that show that this current pending contract is in fact on par with the market. I thought that was a pretty novel approach. In my opinion, appraisers often underutilize the relationships that they have with the participants in the marketplace, the real estate agents, other lenders, other appraisers. That to me is an excellent example, Hal, of how you gather market data and evidence to support your professional opinion of value. So absolutely, that's a great example. Yeah, and I'm not a USPAP wonk. Um, I do deal with USPAP issues on a fairly regular basis as an instructor. But one of the things I know USPAP says is appraisers are supposed to gather, verify, and analyze all information necessary for credible assignment results. And I would, I would make the argument in, in, in a market like this, part of that all includes talking to agents about current pending sales. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, I, I did most of my field appraising in non-disclosure states. So the contract price information was only available by talking with the real estate agents. And yeah. if you just looked at the MLS and, and read the comments there, you're getting, you know, half of it is marketing fluff and the other half, you're not quite sure if the agent put the, the right closed price in there or their assistant did. So, you know, making a call to one or both sides of the agent uh, of the transaction to talk to the agents was critical to finding out the unique details around those circumstances. And in today's market with the unique volatility and things that are going on with buyers, I th think it's crucial to invest that energy and time in validating that information, verifying it to the extent that uh, possible. I love it. Sean, I could sit here and talk with you all day about um, the nuances of the real estate appraisal world and how we as, as data analysts uh, address all the complex issues. Um, unfortunately, we don't have all day. Um, thank you again for taking the time to be here. I think Jim Morrison may have an anonymous appraiser question for us today. Jim, yeah, you got some Absolutely. And remember, listeners, if you want to reach out to us and have a question for our experts, reach out to us at comments at appraisalbuzz.com. So this anonymous appraiser question uh, says, I turned in an appraisal and haven't been paid by the lender. It was accepted with no revisions, but I haven't been able to get anyone get a hold of anyone who can give answers. What should I do? Oh boy, um, Sean. Yeah, that's 
that is a, a really challenging event at times for sure. Um, you know, especially in an, again, like we've been talking about in a marketplace where volume may be slow and cash flow may be tight for a lender. Uh, obviously, legally, contractually, and all part of the the licensing of an uh, of a lender, they are required to keep their commitments to pay the appraiser. That's obviously not contingent on any closing or anything like that. You know, you 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 order the appraisal, you're on the hook for it. You know, in my experience, when things like that, uh, you've when you've exhausted all of your good faith efforts to work with your contacts, then you escalate. Uh, to the lender, often they'll have a, a um, um, you know, a, a, a general question box for leadership or, or something along those lines. And I would certainly escalate to the financial side of that business. I mean, they, they don't want problems with appraisers or compliance issues. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, if you, if you exhausted all of your avenues with the lender, then you could file a complaint with the state who would regulate the lender or or whatever entity is the regulator for that particular lender, whether they're state or federal. So, yeah, yeah that's think, that's no fun. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I think we, we all know it's just a matter of, uh, of a little bit of energy and effort to try to get that in front of the right person to get paid. Yeah, and I think the, the difficulty is, you know, a lot of appraisers, especially in slow times, like you said, business does not work if you don't have cash flow. Um, you're the people that provide services to appraisers want their money on the due date. They want it turned in on time. You can't have, you know, you can't have um, your software. You can't have your data analytics software. You can't have the data if you don't pay your bills on time. Um, I had a client one time that was notorious for. I think it was a 90 day turn time on paying appraisal fees. Um, and I basically just talked to my contact there and said, look, I'm not a bank. Um, I'm, I'm tied on cash flow, and I need you guys to, to step it up and get this thing paid in a timely fashion. Um, I think we got it to 60 days instead of 90 days, which is still kind of difficult for, um, a solo operator boots on the ground appraiser. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, Jim, I would say the, um, the answer is, I love the phrase, Sean, you used good faith effort efforts to collect. Um, talk to your contacts, email people that you, that you know at the organization. I mean, this is one of the things I think, Sean, that is really, it's, I think it's a really good way to shed a light on the importance of relationships in this business. I know there's appraiser independence regulations. I know that, you know, we're not allowed to talk with loan officers and that kind of business a lot of times, but that doesn't mean we can't have relationships with um, the lender or the AMC or whoever is hiring us. Um, and you've got to work those relationships. You know, two years ago, Sean, we were drinking from a fire hose with regard to order volume. Like you just couldn't get to them fast enough. Now we've got some time, which means we do have some time to spend a little energy on collections. Uh, if somebody's slow to pay, um, but it's a difficult situation. Um, and thank you so much, anonymous appraiser for that question. Jim Morrison, do we have anything else we need to cover today? No, I think we've touched on everything. Sean, <clears throat> thanks for joining us. Thanks for the invitation guys. Always happy to, to talk about things and, uh, 
you know, CoreLogic is, is committed to this industry. We have a lot of interests and a lot of opportunities to work with appraisers and we appreciate their business and appreciate you guys for keeping the current issues on the front of everyone's mind and bringing good, solid information to the marketplace. Appreciate that. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's really good to chat with you. Um, I hope to see you in the very not too distant future. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, um, I think we can say that is your appraisal buzz for this week. For Jim Morrison and Sean Telford, I'm Hal Humphreys. 